Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. And we are back with Adam Goldberg. Adam Goldberg returns, part two. Adam has already been on the podcast once. He came back again, and this is part two of him revisiting the Love Alexi podcast. My goodness. I love Adam Goldberg. Uh, Let's face it. The man uh, is practically my brother from another mother. I don't see him nearly enough, but when I do, we have these tangential, wonderful conversations. You know him from Friends, Deja Vu, Two Days in Paris, The Hebrew Hammer, Waking Life, all the stuff. I said it last week. IMDb, the guy. The guy hasn't he done enough? Why do I have to fucking validate his existence? He's already done that for you and himself. Anyway... We talk about so many things. Now, let me tell you, if you listen to last week's episode, uh, it is, it's a herky-jerky, fun, erratic, but none of those uh, words to describe the podcast uh, are meant in a negative way. It's just, it's a slice of life. As I said before, I'll say it again. It's a lot of stuff is going on. Wonderful, gritty, real, you know, like life. Lots of stuff happening. We talked to Adam's wife. Roxanne Daner, she is an incredible, she's a great musician, she's a graphic designer, she has a flourishing business, she's a wonderful mother of two, Sonny and Bud, uh, she plays violin, she sings, she collaborates on so many things with, uh, with uh, Adam Goldberg, Adam, uh, I'm, I've got to stop saying his full name, it's just, it's too much, anyway, um, so she was on the podcast last week as well, we had uh, cameos from their son Bud and Sonny, it was fantastic, but... We are back today because I left all my equipment over at Adam's house by accident. And uh, I mean, he'll set up the context of the show. I don't need to, it's going to be very redundant anyway. But uh, Adam wanted to, um, he, had, he had some more stuff to say. He wanted to make it clear how important um, and what a collaborative uh, relationship he has with his wife. So that's kind of why we continued talking when I went over to his house to go pick up the stuff I had left, like a bonehead. I can't believe it. I left my entire podcast life over at their house, probably subconscious. Anyway, um, and this podcast episode, this is completely different from the last two times uh, I've spoken to Adam. It's early. We're both tired. And it's, it's so grounded and it's just a conversation. It's like probably what you expect a podcast to be. Less of a slice of life and a bunch of things going on, which is fantastic in its own right. This, if you need a calm podcast, if you need a podcast like you expect podcasts to go, then this is your lucky day. And in this conversation, two people calmly talking with witty moments and interesting kernels of uh, wisdom, knowledge, facts, uh, and whatnot. You're going to love it. This is... Okay, so there are a lot of fun highlights. This is like what I think what I wanted um, all along. I was trying to get to the behind the scenes of, uh, you know, kind of... uh, 90s was it is it late 90s early aughts filmmaking or whatever was going on anyway adam they're upbeat loving casual not mean-spirited mentions of people like uh you know julie delby his ex-girlfriend who we, who we, who we made uh, two days in paris with we get the behind the scenes of what happened during the making of two days in paris uh you know Christina Ricci's name is brought up, Natasha Leone's. Uh, we talk about Sundance and film festivals and just like the making of projects, whatever. You get the, a cool behind the scenes 
glance, peek behind the curtain. We pull back the veil of Adam Goldberg and uh, what he's experienced in his life. This is the closest you're ever going to get to him, okay? You're probably never going to meet him. Never. Why would you? He doesn't want to meet you. You're not going to meet him. Just kidding. I don't mean me. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. Anyway, I'm just very excited about this episode. And uh, yeah, after you hear this, you'll feel like you know everything about Adam Goldberg. And that's already a lie. But anyway, you guys, uh, side note to side note, I'm going to put the push that to the wayside just for a moment. We'll get back to it. We'll put a pin in it, as they say in showbiz. I am ecstatic. I am reeling. I'm not on Adderall right now. Uh, I've never been into Adderall. I've tried it before enough to know I don't like it, which is like twice. Anyway, I'm not on it, but I'm talking fast and uh, furious because... I'm going to London and Paris tomorrow. Tomorrow is the day. I'm going to go get on a plane with the boyfriend. His name is James. Yeah, there I said it. I said it. It's already been said before, kind of. Anyway, he's British. I've said that a million times. This is the longest relationship I've been in for, for a while. You know, my longest is five years. Who cares about that? That's dead to me. Anyway, uh, back to me and James. Uh... We're getting on a plane. We're going to London. I'm going to meet his family. We're going on a trip. It's going to be over two weeks. We're going to Paris for a few days. We're going to drive up to where his grandma lives, where his mom lives, just like two hours outside of London. None of your business. These are details that are I should I should I should tuck into my heart and keep for myself. But I'm just excited. Um, yeah. So as I record this intro, while I'm speaking right now. Um, you know, my bedroom is a mess. There's stuff all over my bed. What I'm going to pack. Things are just strewn uh, every which way. And I'm very excited. Um, he's planned out the entire trip, not in a, like a controlling weird way where like I have to be afraid of him because he's like a monster or whatever, because he's a, no, in a different way. Cause he's a gentleman and he, he, uh, you know, he was like, do you want to do this? How about this? Blah, blah, blah. He knows what restaurant I've, I've really been wanting to go to in London, this restaurant called Sketch. So we're going to get off the plane. Oh, and I, I mean, I am just very excited. Don't worry. The actual episode of uh, me and uh, Adam speaking, a lot more grounded, a lot more calm and mellow. But this is the frenetic portion of the show. Me catching up with you guys, my best friends in the entire world, the only people who truly know me and care. Anyway, but, uh, oh yeah, so I've always wanted to go to this restaurant called Sketch. It's in London. Uh, It's just like, there's a room that's like completely like rose blush pink, which is my favorite color. Um, Amazing booths, like velvet kind of like whatever booths. And anyway, look it up on Instagram, hashtag Sketch London or whatever. You'll, you'll, You'll find it. You'll know what I'm talking about. Uber chic. I've always wanted to go. He made reservations for the, you know, the, the, the night we're going to go have dinner there the night we arrive. Uh, you know, we have plans to go see Mary Poppins because I really want to see that. Uh, we're going to just he, he booked the, the train rides. What else are we going to do? We're going to go to the, lots of museums and uh, when we go to London, uh, Paris, we're going to go to the Pompidou and we're going to, anyway, just lots of fun stuff. And uh, we have dinner dates with all of his friends in London that, that I've never met before that I'm finally going to meet. So like we, we have plans. There's a whole itinerary. He, he even emailed me his Apple calendar. So now we're both on the same page in it. So I have all the info at my disposal. It says uh, Alexi and James's Christmas vacation. It's just like he even looked into the fact that there are riots happening in Paris and what days those tend to be happening and how worried we have to be. Like I am dating a wonderful person who uh, we have 
the same taste in things. So like, uh, it's not like, you know, he's strong arming me to go to museums and hang out with people or do things that I want to do. Everything, uh, has been beautifully planned. He's, you know, it's just so nice when somebody pays attention to what you like doing. They listen to you, they hear you, they put it in the back of their mind and, uh, and then they plan accordingly. We just had our nine month anniversary. Yeah. I'm still talking about this shit. We just had our nine month anniversary and uh, ever since the Zoloft kicked in and I've been uh, less of a nightmare, still sometimes a nightmare, but less of a nightmare, way less of a nightmare, the Zoloft has kicked in. It's been about five weeks now. It's been five weeks now. And it's insane how similar I am to myself, but the horrible suffering that was overtaking me is gone. Side effects, I've not noticed. I was a little bit sweaty sometimes at night. I had like night sweats, but that happened like three times. Not happening anymore. I'll keep you posted. None of your business, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I'm still having orgasms, which is good, but I was like concerned about that. I was like, oh my God, is this very low dose of 25 milligrams of Zoloft going to take my orgasms from me because I'm a very sexual person? But uh, anyway, um, what else? Any other side effects? I did notice my legs and feet when I'm falling asleep... This has been happening for like four days in a row. Have been aching and tingling and feeling like they're going to flinch or like twitch. And then I looked it up because I was like, oh, fuck, this seems like problematic. What is this? And I looked it up and all the things I'm describing uh, led me to something called restless leg syndrome. Have you heard about this? Email me at dearlovealexi at gmail.com if you have any thoughts and feelings about any of this. Uh, particularly pertaining to restless leg syndrome, because this is worrisome. Anyway, um, when I come get back to town, if it still ha- happens, when I come back home from the trip, if it's still happening, I will go to a neurologist. Um, but, and they're like, oh, that's this, I, and I read like, oh, what are the possible side effects? I mean, what is this caused by? And it was like caffeine, um, antidepressants, but I'm wondering, I'm on such a low dose. But anyway, I'm just really trying to pay attention myself. But anyway, so, but I've been very happy. Let's zoom out. Five weeks into it, the Zoloft has kicked in. I'm no longer stressing out and freaking out and spiraling over, oh, by the way, this is not a paid advertisement for a Zoloft. Okay. It's, it's really not. I'm actually like, also want to say, I don't want to like advocate for like antidepressants too much because I've only been on them for five weeks and I have no idea what what the, what all the side effects are going to be or how it's going to feel to get off them because I do plan to eventually get off of them after like you know three to six months. Anyway, um, I'm just trying to do this experiment. I'm framing it as a, as a, as an experiment. You got to give them a chance to see what what happens, what they're capable of, and I'm I'm only trying this one. Um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I haven't been, uh, I hope I don't like freak out when I taper off them, but I'll tell you about that later too, as it, as it goes, this is where I'm at now. Yeah. I, I was at this point before I was like, just like little things. I was just spiral. I was like having thought loops being like, you know, just reading into things, creating false stories that didn't exist. Just like stressing out about everything. And I couldn't get my life done. I was just like staring at the ceiling and being like, oh my God, oh, just like looking at Instagram, just going down wormholes and like freaking out and being unhappy and not trusting. And anyway, and it would just like manifest in me like just a lot of unnecessary arguments or questioning of my relationship. And now I'm like, oh, like I'm not doing that. 
and I'm happier because I'm like living my life. I say goodbye to him and I don't freak out. When am I going to see him again? Like, this is so lame and embarrassing to admit this, but I'm sure if I'm, if I've gone through this, other people, male or female or whatever you relate to, uh, you've experienced it too. The very personal is very universal. Anyway, but he would leave and then I'd be like, oh my God, like he hates me. What's really going on? Or I didn't really think that, but like, I just would like obsess, obsess and panic and worry and create these fake stories and make him out to be this person that he isn't. And now I'm back to who I was when I first met him, who I was before I met him, where I'm like, I got a lot of stuff to do. What? Like, I'm, I'm happy to be alone. Like, bye. Okay, bye. We had a great time. Fantastic time. Okay, now I'm going to watch all my shows on Bravo. Now I'm going to write. Now I'm going to do my podcast. Now I'm going to read a magazine. Now I'm going to do all my stuff, go on a walk, hang out with my friends, yakety schmackety, do, you know, meditate, do whatever I need to do. And I'm loving doing these things. I'm okay. I'm like a hundred, I'm like a whole person again. And it's like a person I've, I used to be. So here I am again. Nice to meet you guys. Uh, Nice to see you. So what a fucking relief. And it's uh, the mood change, my energetic shift now that I'm not like, you can't see my face, but I'm like, <sighs> now that I'm not like panicked, panicked, anxiety ridden, um, like, and like just kind of clenching like everything. My whole body was like seized up and just like, I just wasn't happy. And now that I'm, I'm happy. It's interesting. I went to see my dentist because I had to get like a, ch- a checkup and I hadn't seen them in like, I don't know, four to six months. And the whole office was like, wow, you seem so chill. And I was like, who, me? Me? Chill? Unbelievable. Because um, nobody describes me as that ever. You know, I am a very like neurotic, uh, wound up sometimes person who thinks a lot of thoughts and has a lot of feelings. I'm still that way. But I was suffering before. Anyway, and they're like, yeah, you just, you seem so happy. And my friends are saying it and just like people, it's like a ripple effect. And it's like, I had an audition the other day for some CW show and that was exciting. And I just wasn't nervous and I was happy and I had a great time and I coached for it. And I didn't bring any spirals into the coaching session or, or like prior to the audition. Usually I'm like just freaking out about my relationship, overthinking. Somebody just slammed a door uh, outside of the studio and I am livid. I guess that negates everything I'm saying. But I have a feeling there's a leaf blower about to be turned on outside and more doors to be slammed in a moment. And that uh, doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for me in the Love Alexi podcast. Um, That doesn't fly here. I'm trying to share my life with you guys so we can uh, get closer. Um, Yeah. So it's just interesting how like when my energy shifted and I got lighter and was kinder to myself and not making myself suffer... People come towards me. People are nicer. Their facial expressions are different. They can feel the energetic shift. It just makes everything nicer. My boyfriend, who was already loving and kind and reliable and consistent when I was, mm, you know, uh, moody, while I was being moody and, and having my, my moment, my anxiety, anxiety, uh, whatever I was going through, um, he was already lovely. But I would still come up with reasons to be upset. I would be like, oh, well, you know, we, we, are you really, I would compare like the beginning of our relationship to like now and be like, did you, you used to hold me tighter. We used to kiss more. Or do you still like, are we like getting too, is it not as good as it was at the beginning? And 
And now I don't feel that way and I'm happy and I'm just being kind to him and I'm like seeing him for who he is. Like my eyes are open. I'm not scared of losing him. So I'm not trying to like hold on so tight and panic. Instead, I'm like, yeah, taking my power back because I actively gave my power away. This is what my therapist said. You gave your power away because you liked him so much or whatever. And then when you give your power away, this is for everybody, when you give your power away to someone, you it's horrible. You hate them. You want your power back. You, you're like, so I think that's what I was doing. I was like kicking and screaming, like trying to control everything, trying to f- make a problem to like, so I could end it to get my power back. And like, Jesus. So now I don't want that. Now I feel powerful. I've taken my power back and he has his power. And we were just two whole people living our lives. And he's coming towards me. He's, he's being even more loving if, if, it's, if, it, if it could even be possible because he's happier. Because And there's room for him in the relationship now too. Because I'm not constantly... And by the way, I'm not perfect. If he's listening right now, he's like, wait, what, what about that moment we had yesterday at Target? I'm, anyway, how dare you? Okay, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, but now there's room for him to be more himself, to be in the relationship because he's not constantly putting out fires and having to deal with my uh, emotions and uh, and I'm not like draining him dry emotionally where like, you know, because when you're like that with someone and they always have to be worried as they're walking in eggshells or, oh my God, you're mad again. Oh my God. Like they can't, they can't be in the relationship because it can't be about them ever because it's always about the other person. It's always about you freaking out and uh, them having to be stressed about it. So anyway, the point is uh, everybody should take Zoloft. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and here's what I forgot to mention. I haven't had alcohol in two weeks. So let's not forget a big component of uh, my mood enhancement. I'm not exactly sure if it's a Zoloft, but I definitely know that not drinking and the Zoloft uh, I'm seeing miraculous, wonderful results. So who knew? Maybe I just needed to stop drinking. But uh, I was on Zoloft and drinking in New York, and uh, that wasn't solving any of anybody's problems. So yeah, I haven't been drinking for two weeks. However, uh, both my boyfriend and I decided not to drink for two weeks so we could take a break, be healthy, and then really start drinking, get back to it uh, when we go to London and Paris. So tomorrow, uh, as soon as I get to the lounge, as soon as we get to the lounge at LAX, uh, the alcohol consumption will begin. So uh, yeah, so that's my look forward to. So I'll let you know how that goes. And then back, I am, and then the whole plan is to stop drinking in January, but that's neither here nor there. It's still December. So let's, let's fucking uh, have an adventure and uh, get tipsy. I'm very excited. But I did enjoy not drinking. Um, now I'm going to say all the things that uh, one has to say in a podcast intro that's going on for an eon. If you like this podcast, if you like the Love Alexi podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment, tell anybody you cross paths with uh, about the show, anyone who will listen, really, your Uber driver, Lyft driver, what have you. Um, if you want to advertise on the show, send an email to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. And if you just want to financially support the show in any way you can, that would be completely appreciated. Uh, you can uh, make a donation via Venmo at Alexi Wasser. Um, 
And I mean, that always blows my mind when I get a Venmo from a listener. I'm always like, I can't believe that. And then I like, whatever, I write back to them and, and they're like, cool it, relax. Anyway, uh, but I, I, I can't stop being excited. I say that every week. I just, it's too exciting. Uh, it melts my heart. Um, so yeah, if you want to make a Christmas donation, you know what to do. And I also want to say I had a fantastic big sister session um, with a woman in New York this week. Um, I do these things called big sister sessions via Skype. Uh, if you want to book one of your own, click on the link uh, of my Instagram at Alexi Wasser. Big sister sessions are uh, where I serve as the big sister you never had but always wanted. And you can talk to me about anything that you're struggling with, uh, stressing over, spiraling over. And we talk about love, feelings, career, family, you know, any, whatever it is you want to talk about uh, and you want me to uh, serve as your big sister, I will do it. And they're called big sister sessions. And if you want more information uh, and want to really understand what those are, click on the link in my Instagram. I've done so many of them. I just got written up in Glamour Magazine and that was fantastic. And the final print edition of Glamour Magazine alongside manifestation guru, Lacey Phillips, who I adore, who I've had on this podcast twice and a, a bunch of other wonderful girls. And so that was very, uh, I'm just very grateful for that. A nice way to kind of end the year um, with the spotlight um, being shown. Is that the right phrase? Yeah, I think so. On my big sister sessions. And, uh, you know, next week, I'm very excited to say I have uh, the queen of holistic facials on the show. Her name is Britta Plug. She was recommended to me by manifestation guru Lacey Phillips. And if you have not heard that episode with Lacey, uh, either of them, Run, Don't Walk. Uh, it's one of my most popular episodes. People seem to love it. It is very inspiring. She has changed my life. Um, and uh, but yeah, I went to New York, and Britta has a uh, she has a place called Studio Britta, where she has this incredible technique for giving facials, and she does this thing called facial gua sha with these stones and this technique where, uh, where it's like a the best facial massage you've ever had in your life that releases all this tension and and uh, drains your your lymphatic, uh, is it your lymph nodes? Yeah, it's just, it's all good stuff. And you come out with this incredibly even skin tone and you feel refreshed and you're no longer puffy. So she gave me a facial and then we had a had a conversation afterwards and, uh, and that's going to be out next week. So uh, look forward to that. She's going to tell us all the secrets to be the most beautiful, holistic goddesses we can be. Very excited about that. But now let's keep our eye on the prize uh, as we dive into this intense conversation about everything cool, important, funny, real, and interesting. Oh boy. <laughs> I got to relax. Uh, enjoy my conversation with the handsome, funny, iconic father, actor, writer, director, musician, photographer, Adam Goldberg. <laughs> Hello? Now you talking to the mic? Are you going to say that this is part two? This is part two. But I mean, like, in other words... Oh, how I'm going to do it all... That's what I... I was going to, like, start the show off with it, maybe. No? I, I mean, or that's I'll totally add it up on. to you. Actually, it's... Obviously, it's up to you. I just... Um, but I, Well, I think it would be interesting to contextualize it. Yeah, it's part uh, well, two. Well, it would, it would... This is how we podcast. You want me to... I can contextualize it. You contextualize it, please. You left the other day. Oh, no, we all left. We all went to have Mexican uh, food. At the place that's really not very good. Um, I won't say what it is, um, but they should really work work on it on Franklin and 
four victors used to be. <laughs> I have a problem with that. You know, I did a video once for Vice something. It was like before Vice. It was like Vice TV, but it wasn't on TV. It was on the internet. Yeah. Wasn't there something called Vice TV? It's like VB. Yeah, maybe something like that. I know you're talking about. And it was to promote a movie in which I play a grouchy musician. And you? I know. And uh, it was a stretch. And then can we get I, more on the leaf blower, please? <laughs> Could we, you? We just get, want to get some tone? Why don't we get tone? Right, let's just get thirty seconds of tone. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay, you should be good. So just lay that under the entire, however long it's going to be, an hour or so. Um, yeah. You have enough tone, I think. Okay. Um, so. What was I saying? We're talking about Vice. We're talking about... Oh, right, right. I went around. I went around. So, so they said, well, you talk about like the five best things about Los Angeles or the five things you like about Los Angeles the most. So I was like, no, I'll talk about things I hate. How about that? Actually, it wasn't even my idea. Oh, I, I'm no. Per- no, no, no. I'm, that was the thing. I was suckered into doing it. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, like, yeah, right. I wasn't even that negative a human. It was just that they thought it would be funny or the director thought it would be funny if I somehow tied it in to the movie by being really grouchy, but all, but I wasn't playing the character. It was me, Adam Goldberg. So I go around. It's Of all the little things I've done, music videos I directed or, video, you know, whatever, a little stupid online video, it's the only thing that ever went quasi-viral. And it wasn't mine. It was because it was under the, you know. But even when I've done things for other, you know, nobody cares. And in this case, of course, it goes basically viral and all these other blogs are talking shit about me because I'm talking shit about things in Los Angeles, some of which were clearly a joke. Like I went to my friend Greg's house, who's one of my best friends, said that was one of the worst places in Los Angeles. We staged this awful interaction and he begins singing opera. But they cut all of that out. So it's just me going from restaurant to re- – like so I go and I talk shit about um, – What's that Italian restaurant on, on in, in Silver Lake? Oh, here it's gonna happen again. Oh, Speranza. Yeah. I can't stand that place. <laughs> Wait, do you really not like that place? That, so I stood out in front of the place. I can't stand that place. Well, I haven't been back. Did since. you really not like it, or are you fucking? No, like, no. I, I, I. Because it makes me feel closer to you if you really don't like it. I know. I, I, I had a terrible experience there. Every time I've ever been there, it's been a terrible experience. We're gone. I, I would, it took an hour and a half to get a plate of you know, spaghetti that I could have, you know made better because at the time I think I was just ordering like olive oil and garlic and parmesan or something like that I had to go get my own utensils and forget you know and then there's the you know BYOB but whatever that's Ugh. just you know but that my whole point was and this was at a point in, at, in, in Silver Lake where I kept saying that people and I had whatever I had lived in Silver Lake since, since, I, since the 90s and I was annoyed that while it had been get, while it had been getting sort of more expensive and gentrified and all that kind of thing um, that the rest, the quality of the food, unless you were getting local, like, you know, amazing tacos or whatever, the food sucked at the, at, at these restaurants that clearly had like a high overhead and where they were, you know, where, and, and I said, it's this, this idea, it, it, it was really provincial. Like everyone would sort of just accept it and no one would challenge it. And the, and it was not a destination for people to go and eat. So while everyone is paying higher rents and higher, you know, you're still just, you're eating, I, you know, I'd always leave Silver Lake to go have a decent meal. Yeah. Yeah, where'd anyway, you go? Uh, I don't know. Itat Show I used to go to a lot before that got terrible. And, On Beverly? Yeah. I mean, oh, that yeah. was bought 800 times, but in the old days, that was like one of my favorite places. Um, there's another, I just. It's like the Emperor's wearing no clothes. That's why, or whatever, like uh, with, yeah. with Speranza, Speranza, whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, called. yeah. It's well, like, but what the is strange, this? But now it's become, now Silver Lake has finally become a. 
place you'll eat. Like a, yeah, it's like a more of a destination. Like people will come from another part of town to go and eat there. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, actually. But anyway, I, I, so you're I, standing outside of Speranza, the Vice thing that kind of goes basically viral. Yeah, basically, and um, yeah, okay. talking shit, and then I just look like I'm just some fucking asshole who goes around yelping things on Vice. But um. So, uh, but we're going to get back because you talked a little bit of shit about the place that used to be Victor's. That's how we got on this tangent. So we're right, setting so we the all stage. went to dinner because we couldn't go to Mexico City because they Mexico City closed, and Mexico City is like our local place. It's like where we take the kid, and we're now the kids, I guess. Um, so we pot you and I podcast for four hours, pretty much, kind of. Mm-hmm, yeah, and then and we went and we. Met up with my boyfriend, right? And then we, uh, and then my, my wife and your boyfriend really hit it off. Yeah. Like, really hit it off. Really hit it off. Yeah, they were talking for a while. Anyway, um, and um, so then uh, then you you realize you left all your gear at my house. Yeah. And I thought, I think that was God, I mean, or Jesus's way of saying um, that we needed, hey, hey, dude. I think it was like Jesus's way of saying, hey, dude, you know what? Maybe you should reconsider some of the things that you said during the initial recording process. Uh, listen, brother, why don't you ask Alexi to come on back? Brother! And when she picks up her stuff, you can maybe uh, rehash some of the stuff and be a little less glib about it. What do you think about that, my brother? And uh, I was like, hey, Sus, thank you. I was going to say thank God, but thank you for you. Um, or thank your pops. All right, Okay. I was so embarrassed because I was like, oh, my God, I left my stuff. It's like some weird point when you're dating someone. You're like, I'm going to leave my necklace at his house so I can have excuse to come back. Well, right. Well, there's that, but it's also just the like, (laughs) you're like a podcaster, but you left like your entire podcast here. I couldn't believe it. I I was shocked. There's part of me that wanted to break into your little, your, who makes this again? Uh, Zoom. 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 And uh, and just do an entire like a whole thing, and I mean, obviously you would have noticed it, but but somehow like I don't know, broadcast it or like sent the thing to your people somehow, and that would have aired instead of the repeat that's airing this week. Oh my god, right? the repeat! You're yeah. airing a repeat. I'm airing. I'm, I'm, I aired an, a previously unreleased episode from a year ago that I was too self conscious to put out oh, a year right, ago from Stan Lee's Comic Con. It was like a live podcast I did. Yeah. I, was, I thought I was so irritating. Well, I was like, "Well, that's interesting because he's dead now." Yeah, so it was right. perfect timing. Finally, yeah, perfect Thanks. timing. Yeah, it's good he died when he did. You know, hey, synchronicity. You don't want to live to be that much older than he did, he was. Mm-hmm. And then B, because you had something to air. Yeah, it's almost like Jesus is just sort of he's just brushing on our your side. Hair, I know, you know, brushing my hair. Yeah. So, but I was thinking about, like, you were asking me honest questions, and I was a little bit glib, and then a little bit self-conscious, because Roxanne was here. You were? Well, I don't, I don't know. I oh. mean, who who knows? These things are not, you know. You were. Man. So, I was Why? thinking, well, no, because I was like, oh, well, you know, relationships are about, you know, you, you know, relationships are about settling, relationships are about, you know, uh, you know, there's no one part, you know, all this kind of cynical stuff, which I still think is true. But, but I also, but, but what I left out was, is you were asking why you were asking why it worked. And maybe Roxanne gave you some answers. I don't know. I was too busy noodling on the guitar, but, um, um, but I wanted to probably corroborate her responses, um, or presumed responses by saying that I, that, that I left out this whole other part of our relationship, which is like, I keep saying, well, she's this, you know, whatever the yin to my yang, or she's the calm to my storm, or, you know, she's the, you know, the, the, the cream in my matcha, you know, um, 
Do you put cream in your matcha? No, as I was saying that, I almost threw up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put uh, I put uh, manuka. I put uh, a fresh ginger. Um, do you really? I do. Ceylon cinnamon <sighs> and uh, ginger powder on top of that. Manuka. And turmeric and manuka honey, yeah. And then it's really, this is what I'm drinking right now. Mm. So you want to corroborate? <clears throat> right. By, well, A, by saying that we have a partnership, that, we, that there's a cre- there, there is a creative partnership. She's not a wildly, she doesn't have an artistic temperament, but she's artistic. And, and I think that, 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 you know, we were talking about, or you, you're asking like what, you know, what, what works or, how, you know. Why does this work? Yeah, the and, other and, ones? and it's not like, oh, I'm just with a person who just supports my endeavors. So I think that that's the impression I feel I was giving, and this is, of course, to presume that anybody gives a flying fuck. This is more to answer your question and less to like, you know, whatever, clear the air for people who, who are paying, you know, um, any mind to all of this. They're listening and they give a fuck. Keep okay. going. <laughs> oh, God. Keep going. This is great. You're writing the wrong. You, you're so thoughtful and lovely. I thought when, when I got that text from you saying like, oh, you know, I was, it wasn't as, you know, as clear. I wasn't as clear as I could have been and we're collaborators and she's not just a support system. I was like, oh, my God, what a thoughtful sweetheart. So yeah. don't stop. Well, it was really just to sort of kind of get into the pants of some of your listeners. Yeah. You well, understand that. Mission accomplished. Okay, yeah. Great. They love you. Okay. They love you. So uh, I... Just undid what I just said. Now let me undo that by saying, um, yeah, no. Well, f- so quite literally, we collaborate. Roxanne and I, Roxanne has played on every record that I've made except for one. So she's a vi- she's a violin player, um, not by trade. She's you know she's a graphic designer, but, but she plays violin and um, she sings. You know. And uh, and she and we've designed these records together. She's you know a, a graphic designer, and she designed this book, and 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 uh, you know so and and all, you know we always have some kind of little kind of project that we're cooking up or whatever. But the difference I think really is is that she 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 doesn't have that sort of um, you know burning self loathing um, narcissistic you know sort of drive. That um, and with all of the you know with all of the maybe perhaps you know benefits occasionally, but also all of the you know uh, uh, um, um, difficulty that 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 entails, and and I think that's probably why we're we're sort of able to balance and yet still not be like you know. She said to me at one point. She probably said this to you, but she said early on, you know, that she felt like um, she needed this part to sort of supplement her kind of personality this 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 thing in me that that I guess was a little bit more you know sort of like hot you know I mean I don't mean you know what I mean I don't mean hot I know what you mean keep going right yeah because she's obviously hotter but so you're both hot keep going. no no, no I let's I'm speaking objectively um and then uh I don't know I feel like I've said it see now I'm now I'm just sort of talking myself no this is a, great no 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 I get it but she said she said at one point that she knew that like well you you know because I think that there, there was this period. I, well, we we split up really early on. Like a month we mentioned in. that a month in, um, and you know, I was feeling like I couldn't commit and blah blah blah, and 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 I was questioning. I was questioning the relationship, and I think you know, and sort of saying like, what you know, sort of saying like, why are you even like with like? There must be you know the classic. There must be something wrong with you, kind of thing. And she's like, no, I just this is a part of my sort of personality that's sort of lacking, and it sort of and it and it's. 
and it's like basically fun for me. It it it, it kind of you know, you know. Uh, let's see what's a better way of saying it than completes her. Completes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, and and arguably, when I've been in relationships with someone who, um. I mean, I've arguably been, been, been in relations with people who have much hotter artistic temperaments than they do necessarily have um, an artistic drive, you know. So it's, it's, it's like you can just have that, you know, you can just have that temperament and you sort of think that you're getting this kind of, you're getting your creative juices flowing and at a certain point you realize, um, you know, you're, you're, you're just sort of keeping yourself preoccupied. You're keeping yourself um, in, in, in many ways from creating because you're, you're, you're so preoccupied with the thing. You, like you've turned the relationship into a piece of art. Oh my basically. God, I think that's what I do. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, that's, that's, I think, yeah, I've, def, I've definitely done that where it, where it becomes a project. I feel like we talked about this, but maybe not. Where, where it becomes a, um, a project in and of itself. Um, and again, I think it's, 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 at least in my case, I feel like it was a way for me to not deal with the aspects of myself that I really just sort of let um, kind of, you know, not develop at a certain point, you know, where um, I kind of thought, well, I'm in therapy, I'm, I'm self-aware, you know, so I've sort of done my work and, and now, um, you know, let's, let's work on this, you know, sort of relationship, you know, but not sort of maybe taking full responsibility. I mean, I really feel like I kind of maybe did this in the relationship prior to Roxanne, not, not to say that I wasn't with someone who was extremely challenging and probably with whom I shouldn't have been involved. I mean, it was just way too much, but, but I'm sure I was, I know that I was way too much for her. She needed a Roxanne figure in her life. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, I don't know that that's what she got, but I know that she has a kid now and that sort of seemed like, like, you know, insane to me that that, that person would ever have a child. (laughs) Um, and so, um, so I'm assuming that you know she she kind of maybe met that sort of same per- kind of person for her. How know? do you not make the relationship a project? How do you not? Well, there's a fine line between ignoring so it and not giving it like the nurturing that it needs and 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 the work that it needs because they do. And I can certainly be accused of not doing that as well of saying like, okay, well now I can relax. You know, we're married, we have the, we have kids, and like that's a dangerous you know sort of rut to get stuck in as well. And it I, is. Huh? It is. Oh fuck yeah! I mean, I, I absolutely am like I, you know, I mean, Roxanne just sort of said this to you upstairs. She said, you know, I don't really like to to, to talk about things, and that's ironic, right? Because all I do is talk. But when I'm really confronted about things, it's it's it it kind of if, if anything, I think it triggers this thing where I'm just like, you know, um, because as much as I say, oh, in the past, I really kind of you know, sort of reveled in this, 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 this notion of, of, of being in a kind of, you know, exciting, exotic, you know, painful relationship. I really, I really was unhappy. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't like, I didn't like having, I didn't like that pit in my stomach. And so anytime I'm kind of confronted about anything or we get into a fight, you know, a little mini fight and I walk in the room and it looks like Roxanne isn't going to forgive me, which by the way, I'm almost always misreading because she's always the one to say, let's just like kind of figure out how to move forward and whatever. And I'm, I'm like so not used to that even 10 years in that, that I always just assume that this thing is just going to kind of inflate and inflate and inflate. And I'm all ready to sort of like, you know, you know, uh, go into incredibly, incredible sort of defensive mode. Even now, really? Or not? I, it's it's just in my it's in my blood it's like in my guts it's my DNA it's it's not even like it's probably a certain amount of you know PTSD but but I think that 
Uh, that goes back to being much, much younger. I was seeing I, two therapists on two different occasions over many years uh, had said to me that you have many of the characteristics of a of a of a trauma victim. And I was like, really? I mean, my parents got divorced. Like, what? That's it? I mean, lots of people's parents get divorced. And it's not necessarily, I think, what happened to you per se as, 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 as so much as it is what happened to you, you know, in conjunction with however it is you sort of came out into the world. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, they're, they, you know, they, I've often, or I, like I said, I've been described or diagnosed or whatever as, as, as kind of exhibiting symptoms of, of, of PTSD. And it's not from any of the relationships I've had. It's from, you know, obviously being a kid. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I mean, I'm an easily triggered uh, person, right? So whether or not I'm in, uh, it's only because I'm in this, like, relationship with this, I mean, you know, you saw the way that Roxanne was talking about, you know, relationships upstairs. I mean, I don't, you know, just off off the record or whatever. It's just, she, she's just a, she has a more, she has a much more sort of, like, kind of open and understanding and and calmer, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, you do want to remind people that it's the morning, right? Oh, it's the morning. This is great. I prefer this because we're both like sleepy. I can't think and of you any talk words. Slower. No, you're. This is like better. I know, but I can't think of words. Oh well, she's calmer and she's got a calmer like uh, stance on relationships or approach to them or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I'm just trying not to like insert where my dad would yeah. always do that, and I would always feel like, oh my god, I'm gonna get cut off at any moment, oh, or he's giving that's me better a options. Terrible feeling. It's not an annoying I thing. I do that to people. You do, but I hate it when people do it to me. I do it to people too. It's like I learn the behavior that yeah. I don't like. Yeah, and oh, I do I know, it. Of course. You did that on the, phone, on the phone with me. You were so great because you were starting to do that and you were like, oh, I'm not letting you finish. And that was like, so lovely. Well. But you and I both moved pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that I'm Thoughtful. self-aware enough to catch, you know, my, it's like you do, you know, you do, you know, you're, you're going to be who you're going to be. But if you could just insert the self-awareness, it really goes a long way into to sort of preventing you from being a, like, like I just dealt with somebody, you know, we didn't talk about it but you saw me emailing this person <laughs> when you showed up the other day yeah um you know someone i just work with like really briefly uh not uh, acting related in any way and uh it's like how you know this guy's i don't know what in his 50s and it's how how is anyone this this like not this unself-aware how can you be that short terse uh ultimately offensive insulting um um, bitter, uh, uh, you know this 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 guy, and 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 just not have any idea. Like I know I'm those things. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm not saying that redeems those characteristics, but at some point, you, you know, like people always say, like, well, what's the point of even engaging a person like that? Why are you even writing an email? Just get out, extricate yourself, and just move on. And I'm like, well, because maybe they'll not do it to the next person. And they're yeah. like, well, this person is 50-some-odd years old. That's it. You know, they're not going to step away and be like, oh, man, that Adam really had a point. But I do that. In fact, he said something to me where I was like, hmm, you know. Um, I, I So, but, yeah, anyway. Um yeah, that's the one fucking thing I'm really thankful for in terms of my personality. Self-awareness? Yeah, there's got to be a better word for it. But I mean, 
yeah, I mean, some, some, some being, you know, being able to at least, um, yeah, acknowledge my 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 shortcomings or my mistakes or whatever. Um, I don't know that that prevents me from, you know, like I know I've been really, 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 really snippy with my little boy lately because oh, really? it's just been all yeah, it's just been a lot. I mean, the the, the having a new baby and the thing, and then you're already predisposed to be kind of. You know, it's it's been it's like it's just been a lot because he's been te- you know he's been really really testing us and in, in ways that are that are just um, like we're just sort of throwing up our hands like we just don't know how to. Turns out if you turn everything into an animal, then he's st- like 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 he wouldn't put his shoes on today. We're late for school, but if if I was just like, but I'm a penguin. Mm. And these are little penguin flippers, and you're a baby penguin. Don't you want your flippers on? He goes, oh, oh, oh. Oh, my God. Uh, what a great tactic. Well, it's it's in this fucking book, dude. Oh, I saw that on the table, how to talk to kids so they'll listen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so in that book, they're like, don't skip ahead to chapter three. Don't skip ahead. To, and we were just having this conversation about how bad I am at reading. So if you look at the, the book, you can see exactly where I stopped reading because <laughs> in the bathtub because it's the pages are wet up until a certain point. Um, yeah. And I was like really, st- you know, but I, I like I had been saying, I have a really hard time sticking with things that, I, that I'm reading and or I fall asleep. And so, uh, so they're like, but don't skip ahead the chapter. You know, don't, you know, you really try and th- these things first. But, and a lot of what they're, they're, they're saying to try is to, and it's interesting because, um, by the way, these are all ways that you deal with someone who's borderline. Um, oh. But someone who's borderline. I'm not borderline. They, Remember you thought I was borderline for a second? Yeah, I think I might have just been asking. Okay. Um, your birth date is very similar to someone that I know who's, who's borderline. And I've, since, since everything is obviously rooted in astrology, I, I, I could only assume. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but where you empathize with that person, I, I've never been sure how you can do this without a person knowing it's like, I understand that must be very difficult for you. And like, how does a, bo- a person who's like have any wits about them at all, borderline or not, be like, oh, fuck off, you know? But, um, and that's what Bud does. He's just like, I'll go, I know this must be really hard. No, it's not hard. It's not hard. I like it. I like it this way. I like it this way. So it's never worked. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm skipping ahead. And they're like, you're an animal. I'm like, okay, that's it. Yeah. I'm an animal. Uh, actually, it says before you get, try any of these other things, try making it playful and it's going to be really difficult because you're going to be really not in a playful mood by the time you get to the point where you need to incorporate this tactic. That's how I need my boyfriend to act with me. What Humor. you need to do. Not throw gasoline on the fire if I seem a little tense. Tell him to pretend he's a penguin. Yes. Okay. I and would he's going to put that. your little penguin flippers on. Yes. My huge penguin flippers. Uh, yeah. You're a huge fan. <laughs> what are you again? I don't talk about it. Oh, no. you, you don't talk about it on air? Oh wait, my shoes? Yeah. Uh, like 11. Impressive. Okay. Um, and that's the nine and a half men. It's nine and a half men. We have the same shoe size. We do. If you want to share, like, we could swap shoes. In fact, here's the thing: I've had like, a, I've had like a lot of boots made and stuff, and some of them are a little snug because of my orthotic. You wear orthotics. I used to wear orthotics. That's hilarious. Until my oh god, so, you still do? Yeah, they're in these sneakers right now. Um, I had my orthotics stolen in high school, and then I never got them remade. Well, no, I I have like one leg is like a fucking eight inches shorter than the other. And, you know, half of me is like five, three. The other half is five, 11. Anyway, if you ever want to borrow some boots. Thank you. you. Some, like, Thank you. Before I go to New York, I'll. Yeah. yeah. I, got, I don't know. If you, you don't strike me as like an engineer boot type, but you might, you know, I got some Japanese horsehide engineer boots that like will knock your socks off. Literally. Oh, God. Next time I go to Sundance, I'll be sure to call you, know, I've you never first. Been. Really? No, I was what? only ever invited once for the Hebrew Hammer, but I actually was directing uh, that, that I love your work. And that was the only time I was ever invited. I don't, 
I've also uh, Julie Delpy also told me they hate me there, but she also told How me. How does things. Julie Delpy know if they hate you there? You would be the mayor of Sundance. <clears throat> because no, no, no. Okay, here's the story. Oh god. Oh no. Um. So, I I don't know that I burnt a, a lot of bridges, but I do. There, here's the bridges that I I believe that I've burnt, and now they're through unreliable sources like Julie, like an old friend of mine who used to drink a lot and was very competitive with me. But he was friends with Tarantino. No, I, okay. I, I never. I only did a movie with him. I was never friends with. Him. Um, the uh, he was friends with Tarantino years ago in an entertainment weekly blurb, like during some kind of Saving Private Ryan, you know, press frenzy. And I had also been releasing Scotch and Milk, so I used the Saving Private Ryan press bubble to promote my little fifty thousand dollar movie, you know. And someone on a phoner, and this ended up being in one of those little italicized blurbs in the fucking right-hand corner of a page. It wasn't an article about me or anything. Um, they asked me about what I thought the state of ind- current state of independent film was. This was 1998 or something, and I said I, I thought that all films in this post-Tarantino era were crap. All independent films in this post-Tarantino era were crap. Do I know for a fact that, 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 I, that what I meant was the following? I don't know because I'm not 28-year-old Adam Goldberg, but I do remember being really appalled by the fact that all that seemed to be to be all that was being made it seemed at the time were things like two days in the valley and all these other tarantino um ripoff movies these you know these just you know this was just endless fucking heist movies um i wasn't referring to his movies um but apparently it got back to him and and i have never heard from that guy again um this guy who's friends tarantino with no no i've heard from the other guy but the guy told he's like tarantino's like i don't understand man you know i i liked adam man you know i liked his you know scotch and milk man he was like the feet the feet because there's a thing in there about the about feet and he's all in the feet and blah 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 and he would quote that he'd be like the feet man that's fucking funny man it's like what's this like post tarantino crap man and um but you weren't insulting tarantino you're insulting the filmmakers after tarantino <sighs> And you didn't even really mean that. Yeah, I mean, it's also at the time you would have had to been, you would have had to have been eighteen, nineteen, seventeen. Not you. I mean, one would have had to have searched high and low to have found this because it wasn't like the internet was really a thing then. So someone was sending you scraps of every every place your name appeared. It wasn't an article about him. It wasn't even an article. Um, So I remember my agents calling me about that movie. you know, the war movie, uh, uh, Inglorious Bastards. And they're like, okay, you know, you're perfect for this, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, don't waste your time. Um, I'm, oh, like, what? I'm like, just trust me. And sure enough, I, you know, there was like, yeah, never. Anyway, so there was that bridge. Then apparently the same friend told me Soderbergh thought I was an asshole for writing a, a, a an, an article about how miserable my uh, distribution process for Scotch and Milk was or wasn't because it never got distributed in um, Flaunt Magazine. And he was like, what is Adam so fucking bitter about? He got to make his movie, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, never, never, I, yeah, okay. So then there's that, and what else have I heard about myself? Um, the, this was the, where I was getting, oh, so my, an ex-girlfriend of mine, um, in fact, the only one I was ever unfaithful uh, to. Did, did we ever talk about that? You told me, I think, right? <laughs> no, wait, one, one of the three? Hmm? One of the three... Girls you told me about that you dated? No. This was a... a Different girl. No. Yeah. It was, it was someone... Yeah. No. I mean, whilst I suppose technically an actress, she, I mean, that wasn't how she made her living. Um, but uh, I... Uh, yeah. It was just whatever. It was, it was in my late 20s. The point is, um, is that 
at one point she moved we were li- I was kind of living with her and, and across the hall from um two guys actually one who's now a director I just worked with which is hilarious this guy uh, Fisher Chris Fisher and then uh, another guy and I just won't say his name but it's easily googleable I guess I don't know what the difference is exactly, but it makes me feel like less of a scumbag. Um, is was a guy uh, who was a screener at the time for Sundance, right? So you'd go in there, and this is when everything was on tape, and you know you just see these Sundance submissions all over the fucking room, right? Um, so at the time, the only thing I had made was Scotch and Milk. Scotch and Milk didn't get in the Sundance, but it had nothing to do with them. They weren't in charge, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, uh, one day, I remember seeing this dude and and and, and Chris. Uh, passed out on the on the on the bed <laughs> with with a screener playing, and I always thought that was uh, I, I don't even know why I'm telling you this. Nobody knows about this. I mean, like I never, I never, I always thought, oh, the, it's just funny because it's like I've been, it's almost like a thought crime I committed because I never did, I like I didn't take a picture and I didn't blackmail them, but I thought, but the thought crossed my mind. If I ever wanted leverage, this would be interesting. Anyway. Neither here nor there, really. Um, wait, but wait. So the thought crime was they were watching a screener. They didn't finish. They fell asleep. Yeah. And, and, and that's fucked up. And, and that's fucked up. And To the filmmaker? Because oh, I feel like I took a picture. I think I took a picture. But this is, yeah, to the filmmaker. But this has nothing to do with anything, really. I just started to notice that films I was making, like I Love Your Work, you know, weren't getting into Sundance or whatever, or even films I was in. Um, uh, and although, like I said, the Hebrew Hammer did get in, but it was a midnight screening and, you know, whatever. That's great. Yeah, I wasn't there. I, I couldn't go. So, so, but I, yeah, anyway, uh, what's my point? My point is, is when Julie tried to submit Two Days in Paris, it had already opened at um, Berlin and it was bought that night. So to me, that sort of seems like why it didn't play at Sundance. Um, but anyway, she said, you know, they hate you there. And, and I, this was after we had obviously made the film and already had stopped talking, but I, I think we went into a, like a kind of a, uh, you know, we sort of t- spoke again for a brief period before we stopped talking again. In fact, I think this had something to do with why we stopped talking ultimately. Um, and uh, and all I could think was that might not be totally untrue because the guy who fell asleep on the bed now runs the joint. Um, and like, was there something that he saw me like, you know what I mean? Like, here's another weird thing like that. I've never been on the Conan O'Brien show. Now, uh, I, there's lots of shows I haven't been on, like, but, but like I was on an early Jimmy Fallon show. I did Craig Ferguson a million times. I did Bill Maher's show. You know, I was never on Letterman. I was never on, uh, Carson. Uh, I wasn't on Leno. But um, at one point, I was booked for Conan when he was the late late show or whatever that was after, you know, when he was on NBC for a TV show that got canceled before the air date. So I never, there was no point for me to go on and promote a dead TV show. But at some point, I was with the ex-girlfriend that I was just referring to prior to Roxanne went to a taping with her because she was on it. And you sit backstage and blah, blah, blah. Like I'd been to Jay Leno with her and Jay Leno comes back. He's like, hey, Adam, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm, you know, some version of a known quantity and, you know, they are polite and nice and whatever. And some guy came back and was a producer and I think I said like one little joke and then, uh, you know, and then he talks to her and blah, blah, blah. So 
sometime later, so they, they're calling to, to publicists or whatever, or my manager or something, calling to try and get me on the show to promote something. And they're like, yeah, you know, at one point, Adam was there with his girlfriend and the producer came back. And like, we don't think that his sensibility would really jive with Conan's. And I'm like, because I was being a fucking mensch and going to the goddamn show to support my more successful girlfriend, I am now being penalized. Um, because what? All I, I like, I didn't. What did you say? I, nothing. Oh my god. Nothing. The funny thing is, I'm pals with Andy Richter. But anyway, uh, what did he say? Why did you ask him? It occurred to me, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I guess I could. Um, I'm trying. I don't care anymore. And. You know, he's on fucking TBS now. Um, TBS is great. I'm just trying to... Yeah. <laughs> trying, I'm, I'm trying to, like, remasculate myself. Oh, God. What does this have to do with anything? You're just telling me all the bridges. You're telling, you're oh, telling me why like Julie said that... Right, right, Julie, right, right. So the, whatever. That they hate you. Right, right. Why did so, she say that? Like I said, they probably gave... I, I, she's the sort of person who is, who's wall and unreliable witness will also tell you something really mean that's true. Do you know what I mean? So it's not, I suppose, out of the realm of possibility that they said, yeah, we're not a fan of Adams or something. I guess. I don't, again, other than having existed across the hall from someone who now is a, is a big player there, I don't know what I could have done. I, oh, I do. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do. In that article that pissed off Soderbergh, apparently, uh, even though I... I don't know why I pissed him off. Um, Nothing to do with him. No, but I guess he just thought I was a bitter. And I was. I was really bitter. I was a bitter and cocky person in my 20s. There's no question that that's true. And I became a cocky and bitter person in my 30s and 40s. But then, you know, it's sort of, I don't know, it's more justifiable. The older you get, the more bitter you're allowed to be. But like a bitter guy in his late 20s is just a little Hollywood prick. So... Maybe that was it, but it's like I had been bitter since I was, you know, since my mom left my dad. Go back to the article so that you, you say you know why. So in that article in Flaunt, I might have been a little derisive of Sundance. Really? But my, but it had been so many years before, it seemed to me that like not even the same people were there. So except I guess it did overlap with that guy being there. One other thing is in I Love Your Work, I make a joke about Sundance. Oh, you do? Remember? You just watched it. I just watched it, but um, it, it's, I was too busy It's about the, the film that the guy goes to, a, that Giovanni's going to a premiere for is about gay uh, heroin-addicted angels, and the manager, a character, I think, uh, or maybe Giovanni says, uh, it's going to be huge at Sundance. And this is actually like more a throwback to the sorts of films that they, I mean, now it's like not a very relevant joke, uh, really. But this isn't all going to affect me ever getting a movie in Sundance, right? You, no, you absolutely by association. This might not be good for you. Oh my god! And you just keep on interviewing me. Oh my fucking god! No, I mean I'm 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 you know I'm like uh, it's like also don't put me on your TV series because it will get canceled within a year. You know? Don't say these things. I don't want to laugh at these horrible things that you say. Um. I have a question. Mm. Oh, yeah. So I did just see I Love Your Work. And uh, yeah, I think the whole time I was just thinking that I was Giovanni Ribisi's character, like yeah, uh-huh. walking around lonely, yeah. probably not, you know, probably having made a lot of mistakes and, and uh, guilty of not being a good person or 
guilty of not being perfect, mm-hmm. but then wanting so much and longing and right. wanting it to be a certain kind of way that it'll never be because maybe that never even existed. And you don't know what's real or whatever. Am I wrong? Is that what the movie was about? Well, did I watch a different movie? No, I think it's always good when people watch things and then they person, you know, they personalize it. I mean, that's the point of all songs and everything else. Like you listen to something, you think it's like a like a you know a, a song about unrequited love, and it turns out to be a, a song about you know Margaret Thatcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? About how much cereal, but. Uh, <laughs> But, um, I mean, it was a... When did you the, make this? What the, year? 2003. I made it when mm-hmm. I, I, it had been a bunch of years since Scotch and Milk. I had been really, really, really let down by that experience. And um, I had just moved to New York and I was walking through the streets and I was really um, like that kind of hung, that sort of hang hung over when you're like super receptive to all feelings and sensations and thoughts and you just... And, and, and you almost feel kind of inspired, even though you're just exhausted and clammy. And I was walking down the streets and it was some combination of like noticing that. And, and I think this is probably when I was slightly maybe more recognizable. I don't know. But, but, but I'd walk down the street in New York and people would like look at me and I couldn't tell if they were looking at me because it's New York and there's just a lot of people and I'm a self-conscious person. So I can't tell if I'm imagining that they're looking at me because I'm self-conscious or if it was because... They recognized me from something, and I sort of—I was going to say I pulled over, but I was walking. I pulled over, and I call, and I actually remember calling him from a phone booth, but th- that also can't be possible because I had a cell phone. Maybe I went to the phone booth and, and called him from my cell phone. Is that possible? Because it was quiet. A little privacy, yeah. Yeah. So I called my friend Adrian, and I said, "You're going to come out here, and we're going to write this movie." And I have this idea, and it's based on an idea I had years and years prior about a movie star stalking a fan. And I go, "That's all I have right now." But I, 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 and essentially, the premise was, "What if you took a guy who was not even self-conscious or lonely or whatever, but actually kind of schizophrenic, almost a guy who was a Mark Chapman type, but you made that guy, you know, and he longed to be with someone who was really, really." Famous, and that's what you sort of have in this, and, and you know, sort of you sort of learn in the movie. Um, and he and he gets that, and he gets that person, and he gets that fame, and like, oops. I mean, there's two ways. The more literal interpretation is is that, um, you know, what happens if you take a paranoid, nearly almost schizophrenic person and you put them in the spotlight? You know, sort of what what what, what does that do? But on a, on a, on a deeper and more emotional level. Um, what happens when you get exactly what you want and you realize that's not what you want? I mean, that's really what it's about. Um, you know, and what he wanted was this, this simpler time where he's, you know, doing laundry at the laundromat with his, you know, with his, you know, this sort of seminal, you know, love of his life. Um, and now he's with this, you know, sort of like besotted, you know, um, I say aging movie star played by Franca, but of course that's hilarious because she's only 30 in it. She's turning 30. Um, was it at all based on being with Julie while she turned 30? I don't know. Oh, really? Mm. And how far into the relationship? I don't know. I wrote the movie like like on the, on the heels of that relationship. And how... And the funny thing is I just started to go out with... I was with Natasha when I was writing it, and it, in some weird way, the Christina character was sort of based on what I was feeling with Natasha, which was ironic because we would later discuss how you know the early days of that relationship were. We were sort of both trying to be this thing that we really knew we couldn't be, which were like you know the calm after these tumultuous relationships. Hers with you know Edward Furlong. I mean, this is insane because I was like a hundred, and uh, and mine with um. You know, Julie, but of course we were both equally, you know, tumultuous and sort of unpredictable people. But um, but trying to sort of be the 
anchor, you know, in each other's lives or whatever. And, um, yeah. So all of that's in there. And how far into the relationship with Christina were you while you made that movie? I wasn't. I, you I weren't? Uh, no. I, I mean, I met Christina because? basically through that movie. Yeah. Was that uh, on purpose? Did you, were you, did you already know you had a crush on her and you cast her because you're like, I want to fall in love with this girl? Well, I mean, I had, I had met her. Were you in a relationship while you made that? No. With her? No. Uh, with with anybody? anybody? I you wasn't. I mean, I'm not super duper proud of this, but she and I, and this kind of caused some unrest, I think, while we were shooting. I really, I kind of swore to myself, I sw- it was clear that there was something kind of flirtatious going on between us, but I really, before we were shooting, and I really tried to sort of put the kibosh on it because I wanted to be like an adult and make a movie without making a movie about, a you know, a, you know, a, without being living art. You know, I had already made, when I had made Scotch and Milk, <laughs> I had been seeing someone, the woman I had mentioned to you before who lived across the hall from the Sundance guy. It was about my relationship with my ex-girlfriend. I told you this. This is why I was like all into Jaglum or whatever. I was, I was, I was, it was about my relationship with my ex-girlfriend. My ex-girlfriend played that role. And while I was editing that movie, I was having a relationship to some degree with the woman that I was really in a relationship with. Some renegotiating with, 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 with Clea who was in that movie playing a version of herself and with, a woman I was doing a TV series with. Um, and then I wrote a movie about that entire process of editing a movie about, um, I can't even remember how to describe this. I wrote the most layered meta movie I possibly could about this experience, which was so indecipherable I had to put a key at the beginning of it. And it's the one script that I written from beginning to end that I, that I never could get made, but Giovanni and I were going all over town trying to get it made. And in many ways, that was the precursor to I Love Your Work, which was a much, you know, where I used a much more sort of genre-ish hook, in a way, to sort of tell a similar story. Um, but, um, but no, uh, Christina and I basically began to see each other when we were making that and you know I always regretted that and uh, I was just not I just I really wanted to avoid any real life drama and you know but you know the heart wants what it wants the heart wants what it wants (laughs) I mean who are you still friends with of all those people are you still friends with Vani and Giovanni yeah I mean I we were. Fr- I mean, if we run into each other, we're friends. But you know, we were. You know, we we were. We always would get close when we were doing something together. But unless we were doing a project, and then ironically, when Christina and I split up uh, uh, after having sold my house to Giovanni, and I had nowhere to live, I went to not go live with Giovanni at his house, which was my old house, but down the street from his house at the lofts that were his office, just literally spitting distance from my old house. So I was living out of a suitcase in his office for six months. Uh, on uh, on Silver Lake uh, and uh, and Glendale Boulevard um, during really the most uh, six of the most you know unhappy and wrenching you know months of my life um, and uh, and then of course she and I got back together which I was just like Jesus fucking Christ and then we split up again um, so uh, but. No, I guess the irony of the I love your work thing is is that that 
relationship in the movie that the Christina, who Christina, the woman that she's portraying is really based in many ways on the woman that's in Scotch and Melt. So, she, you know, that's this, this relationship that, you know, and specifically the laundry thing. Like I remember, you know, um, when, um, I just have this very early memory of like living in my one room apartment on Detroit and Wilshire and this little, you know, this brick building and, you know, and, and showing up one day and her like, I honestly can't remember now because after having written that scene and then, and then, um, and then shooting it and editing it and seeing the movie a thousand times, I can't remember exactly what really happened, but it was something like she was carrying a bunch of laundry and I like ran up to see her and there was just something about her and the laundry basket. And just, you know, when you were just so happy to see someone in those, that honeymoon phase of that relationship and, and this just incredibly pure, intense, you know, um, experience, but how there was always also this kind of uneasiness that it was just so, you know, tentative and, and, and fragile. And, um, and so that's what, Christina's character was based on, and it, you know, it would become later ironic for a variety of reasons. I mean, but um, but but yeah. So there was so yeah. Anyway, but what's I'm sure it was also somewhat inspired by the fact that I was in a relationship while I was writing that movie, and I had just come out of another relationship. You know, it all everything sort of goes in there, I guess, and everybody becomes an amalgam of somebody if you're a certain type of you know, navel gazing <laughs> filmmaker, right? How how long after that relationship ended with Christina did you meet Roxanne? Really quick, right? Yeah. I mean, to be clear, that relationship with Christina really ended, I think, with the first time it ended. I mean, I really do. I mean, you know, we spent six months apart. I started seeing someone else who'd been on your podcast. Um, and uh, then she kind of came back and I kind of felt like, well, I've been so miserable. I was so miserable about it. I've done everything I could to, to sort of fight my way and claw my way back into sort of, you know, autonomy and into, you know, self-regard. And I bought this house, not this house we're in now, but the house I'd lived in for 12 years prior to this place. And and um, I'd done all these things, I felt like, to sort of strengthen and heal. And um, And when she came back, well, first of all, it was like she'd called several times during the course of that six months, but I thought it was to kind of make herself feel better that she had sort of done a bad thing and I didn't want to give her that pleasure. But it turned out she, like, regretted it really early on. <laughs> I just never answered the phone. Oh, my God. Um, so stubborn. So, yeah, no, I, w- I wouldn't talk. I was, I, had, I was very dogmatic about it. I was extremely dogmatic about how I would heal, you know? <coughs> Bless you. You need a cough button. I know. On your console. Disgusting. Yeah. If you say thank you after you say bless you, like an angel dies, a fairy dies. Aren't fairies dead? I don't know. That's what my boyfriend told me. Even though he doesn't believe in any of that stuff, but that's the one thing he believes. He says, don't, say, don't say thank you after I, I say God bless you. Specific. Yeah. Really? Okay. Um, so You're stubborn. She's calling you six months, all, right, all this so stuff. Anyway, so when she finally called again, it was actually, um, you know, I had already been sort of seeing someone else, but I don't know. It just, you know, I got... My some, friend? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. Too many names. She was on your thing. Was she? She was on my podcast? Yeah. We, told, we talked about this. Okay. Um, and, you know, I just felt like, well, you owe it to that version of yourself that's so miserable to see what's, to ha- you know, and then so we got back together, but we never moved in together, you know, so I think everything was sort of like, you know, back in together because um, I had lost a place to live the last time we had done this. Not to mention I had sold a house, which is now worth fucking twice as much in Silver Lake. It's Jesus. Like, my best friend, you know, Tavani at the time. Um, I mean, just, it was just a fucking 
I, I just, you know, my my early 30s to mid 30s is like I think an average person's probably 20s. You know, I just, yeah. you know, I think that I was a late bloomer in so many regards that I just felt like, yeah. I mean, I just, just you know, just had no, I just, I, I, you know, it's like, you know, you're sort of making kind of shitty, you know, you're aging, you know, you're sort of making not super responsible decisions, but you can kind of justify it because yeah, you were sort of a late bloomer. You kind of like in, in many ways felt like you came of age sort of later, whatever that means. Uh, you're, you have an artistic temperament, so you're allowed to do these sorts of things, you know, even if you have sort of have to, you're debating with yourself about them. Um, but, um, but also I also have never had a really strong sense of, of, uh, well, you know, also you don't have any responsibilities. If you don't have any kids or whatever, you can go and, I mean, yeah, the idea of selling a house became meaningless, which, which, which was, you know, selling and buying. Also part of that was her. She had, well, actually I don't want to, that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, I was, I forgot we were recording. Um, oh God, I'm going to get a text later today and be like, Hey. No, because this isn't going to go live. You can edit it. Do you already um, want me to edit certain stuff? You might get a text later today. Oh I don't God. Know. Um. <laughs> Let's put this out in like increments. It'll be like the other part will be like Adam on the podcast. Adam returns. Adam returns. Then this will be like part two. Yeah. Of Adam returns. Yeah. This is just for the rest of my life. This is, I'm just like. Why don't you just have a I'm sub? Come over weekly. Why don't we just have another podcast? You and me. Well, like. Yeah. When do we become best friends? When did like all of a sudden I'm, I'm with my boyfriend all the time? And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it's Adam. He's texting me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like why does he text me more than you text me? I'm well, like. <laughs> Oh God! I mean, you texted me from Vegas. I texted you from the Elves Fair. Yeah, yeah. I was dipping candles. Oh God! You were seeing Cher. I'm seeing Cher. Yeah, I made a little video. Of my boyfriend seeing uh seeing Cher. I'll show you later. Anyway, insane that you did that. Listen. Um, so, um, all this stuff happened. Oh yeah, you, you met Roxanne like shortly after the second right, so breakup. The second time, it was a little everything moves a lot faster. You know, it's like you heal faster. You this isn't. It's not. It's not already partially dead a little bit. Part of you has died. I'm not saying though that I wasn't seeing somebody else. Kind of though, when I met Roxanne. What do you mean? Well, there was someone I was. So I went to New York to go do a movie, and then I was seeing someone who was really interesting, and I liked a lot there. But I was just in not. I just couldn't. It was crazy. I was just, just on the heels of this thing. And because she didn't live here, we obviously once I came back home from the movie, we weren't seeing each other that often. And, and, uh, and you know, Roxanne like walked literally in my door. And so it's just like, yeah. what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Sam walks in your door. Yeah. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Yeah. Walked into my house. Yeah. I sound like Cosby. Oh, God. No, you don't. No, I meant the way I was saying it, but now come to think of it, we all did get a little... I did not... Oh, God. No, she could kill me. Are you kidding? Oh, yay, yay. Rip my head off. Um, and now you're in this beautiful, collaborative relationship with this angel face. You have two beautiful children. Two dogs. Two barking dogs. The guy with a All over, totally incontinent. Totally incontinent and uh, diary on the floor. Last night I was in the kitchen. I was like twelve thirty. I went to get something. I was like, oh God. I turn around and it's just all over the floor. And like we ran out of paper towels. I was using toilet paper. Like we have an incredible amount of toilet paper, which hardly any of us use. Me mainly because I have a Toto. You know, toilet seat that squirts water up your ass. Oh, day. really? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it, actually, Japanese when I toilet? go out of town, it's the worst part for me about going out of town is that I don't have that toilet. It's 
so hard on my butt. Nothing to do with that. Total left turn. What happened at the end? So when I watch Two Days in Paris, they break up, right? What's well, the ending? I don't know. I think that. Can I just? I just. Think oh, that. come. Oh, my oh, no, God. No, 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 no. You well, hate we, it? I liked it. No, no, no. Listen. We were working on that movie together. She had, it was her idea. We were, but, but it hadn't been written. So we got together all the time. We would talk. I wrote the fucking synopsis. Like, if you, like, I'm not saying that. You were broken up when you put this together with her? You guys were already broken up? Were you sleeping together at all? A little bit? Making out? Something must have been happening. No, this is what happened. Is that, in fact, I actually went out on a date with one of her friends. It was actually the first time I, I, um. Oh, my <sighs> Yeah, this girl did not want to see me again. That's actually never happened. I never assert my, I never put myself in situations where I think that's going to happen, and I did in this case, and sure enough, she didn't want to see me again. She I didn't really want to see her either. But she was French? Yeah, she was an agent. I don't know. She thought I was, like, using her. I was like, why are you using you? Oh, to like, make Julie jealous? No, for, for, like, business shit, because I thought it was, like, because I kept talking about this thing that Julie and I wanted to do. I was just like, what do you... Anyway, I, this is literally one night. What do I care? Uh, we had sushi. Okay, so... Synopsis. You guys write a synopsis together. No, so 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 Julie, I was. It was the third week, second week. I had been out of my house after Christina left me from the set of a movie by telephone, and I was a mess. And all of a sudden, Julie calls. Now she had called in the past, but I would either like kind of ignore the call, or she would call, and be like, "Hey, do you know somebody at Spaceland who can?" Because she was doing music too. She's like, "Do you know someone at Spaceland who can maybe hook me?" Or like, do you know a bass player? Or do you know, you know, I'd be like, it's like all she wants is like, you know. Um, but here I was just like, somebody's calling me. Oh, it's an ex-girlfriend. Okay. So I, I answer the phone. She's like, do you want to do, and she had mentioned this before, but she was like, do you want to do this thing where it's like you go to, you know, we go and visit my parents and blah, blah, blah. And the, in real life, I was supposed to go meet her mom. I was, Okay. So go back to the summer that we split up. It was the summer that I met Natasha, and I was living at Julie's house, though I still kept an apartment in Silver Lake, and I was supposed to go. We were going to move to New York together. She was going to keep her house. She owned her house. Um, apartment. I didn't have an apartment. So I got a house. running a house in Silver Lake. Anyway, um, and she – I had just gotten the show called The Street – which was going to, like, it seemed like it was going to be a big show and turned out not to be, but but it was, you know, I'm going to move to New York and I had been wanting to move to New York anyway and Julie was all game to do that, although keeping her house. And so we um, were going to rent this place and I was going to go, she was on location doing some movie and then she was going to go to Paris and I was going to go there from LA, meet her mom who I'd never met, her dad I'd met several times and then from there we were going to go to New York and we we're going to stay there for the duration of the series or whatever. Um, but I began to feel like I couldn't do it and da, 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 da. And, you know, to make a not nice story, uh, just gets shorter. I, you know, I called her and I just said, I can't meet your mom. I don't think I can do this, you know, basically. And so, um, in some ways I sort of thought years later, I was like, oh, I guess this is my comeuppance for doing that. I mean, my feeling was always sort of like with Julie, it was like, ah, oh, she's not going to be as hurt because she's. She's Julie, you know, she's gonna, she's gonna just, you know, she'll find some, you know, I don't know, she'll find somebody. He's like, she, she's more in love with the idea of me, you know, I don't know. It's just, it just, it didn't, it seemed like it would be fairly mutual. So, anyway, 
was my point. Oh, so I never did meet her mom. So so years later, when she called me and asked me if I wanted to do this thing, uh, it was be it would be I go meet her mom, and then she's really jealous because of something, you know, whatever, whatever that movie's about. And uh, it was like a very thread of an idea. So you know, we got together, and, and and then it would be largely improvised because you know the way they made. I don't know really how they made those before movies, but you know they were, you know, they were obviously collaborative. And, you know, when they say written by, I know that they write pages out, but, you know, it, it's all sort of developed, right, you know, in, 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 uh, uh, in conjunct with one another. So, mm, <clears throat> in conjunction. I think conjunct is more like, like an eye infection, right? Sounds like it, yeah. I just don't want to miss a beat. Keep going. All right. So, um... So this is in the vein of those before movies, kind of. I get, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, because yeah, but all I know is is that we're getting together, and she's like, sent, sent, you know, we're talking, we'll do an improvisation, we'll record it. She'll send me some pages, and I'll say, you know, and I said, look, I'll do this, but I really want a writing credit because, um, you know, we're both. You know, this is going to be heavily improvised and I really need to do something that feels a little more mainstream and that kind of seems like, you know, as a writer because the, the films I made and the film I was even trying to write at the time, it's just everything was just so elliptical and, you know, inside of a thing, inside of a thing, inside of a thing. It's like I wanted to get some credit for being like a, able to sort of um, not just be, you know, to be... It also seemed like it seemed like a way to to be a co-writer on a kind of a romantic comedy without actually, frankly, having to write a romantic comedy. Like I didn't have any interest in doing that. But since she was kind of doing the legwork, I could rewrite and you know whatever. So th- the agreement was yes, we were going to do that. Now we would you know maybe sort of argue over d- different directions. But I mean you know you know that scene where you know so it would be like this. Um, uh, you know, she she would send me a draft. It would be like you know sixty five pages. I'd be like you know Julie, um, you're a com- I'm a complete maniac, and you're like just as totally normal. Like what's going on? I don't understand. Like I go Julie, you're crazy. That's what was funny about our relationship. Do you remember the time where? You, I had to call nine one one because you suddenly decided you were uh, allergic to clams at a restaurant the day that you met like four of my friends on PCH, and like within twenty minutes you were flirting with the four fire truck, uh, you know, uh, firemen, and uh, so you know that's why that scene ends up in there. Yeah. Um, I'm dying! I'm dying! Uh, do you need a Zyrtec? No, my nose is totally running. No, no, no. But do you need a Zyrtec? Or don't judge me. Are you, are you doing coke? No. Okay. I'm not. We can talk about it. You know? just, um, I used to do coke. I'm internally weeping. Can you imagine that? Are you doing coke? Oh, my God. Neither of us should be ever doing coke. No, yet, I mean, but, no. I mean, not to mention the sinus infections. But um, I think I just have allergies. But go on. So so she's... So... so you remind her of these moments and she's... And yeah, but t- I mean, it's like, it's even like I come over to the house because she, you know, look, she's writing in Franglish. So I... And in fact, when we were a, a, a couple, one of the things, you know, I would help her do is... Is that she would write, and I don't want to begrudge her. The woman is an incredibly bright woman. I, let me be very clear. She was. She would write. She wrote a script that I was attached to. Michael Rapport was attached. This is a long time ago. I really thought it was a great script. But I would say, you know, I would make corrections because I would, you know, she, you know, it wasn't in perfect English. So, so, um, so in this case, it would be like we need to submit a synopsis to financiers and blah blah. blah. To this day, if you go on IMDb and read the synopsis, that's written by me. So. We, I'm not saying that I came up with the entire synopsis. I'm just saying, you know, that I physically sit, you know, sat at her computer and wrote it. So um, it was an extremely collaborative affair. And there are scenes that say he tries to order a hamburger, right? That's all it says. Yeah. I mean, I'll find a script one day and I'll <laughs> publish it. Yeah. It says I order a hamburger and I 
just, you know, an ad lib it, and that's the scene, you know? There are other scenes that were totally scripted, you know? Whatever. It depends. Anyway, during the shoot, one thing led to another, and um, and at one point she said to me before a take, you know that take when she's screaming at the cab driver, you're a Nazi, you're a Nazi, yeah. blah, 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 and I, and, I, and I get out of the car, I go, you're fucking crazy, or whatever, blah, 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 and storm off. Yeah. I storm off, and I go to my trailer, and that's the end of the day. I mean, the truth of it is, it was really the end of the day, and they were going to have to wrap soon anyway, but I literally in real life went past the cameraman and went home. Because what she had said to me prior to that take is, you ruined the end of, ending of my movie. You ruined the ending of my movie? So the ending of the movie I wrote, okay? okay. Um, she didn't have an ending. It said, it was improvised. It said, da-da-da-da-da, and this happened. They tell each other about their day and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I think, um, and she goes, and there's voiceover. And I said, I think that people, after spending an entire movie with these two people, are going to want to hear from these two people. I don't think you're going to want to hear, and the voiceover hadn't been written, or maybe part of it had been. I don't think you're going to want to hear about what happened in some encapsulated version. I go, that just seems like lazy filmmaking. I, I, I think you're going to want to hear these two people work it out. So I wrote this. I wrote it. I wrote it in you know these this three or four page scene, and I'm and I and I I didn't write her part because I wanted to do for her what she in effect was doing for me, which was not, you know, she could come up with better Julie dialogue than I could, and I could come up with better Adam dialogue than she, than, than she could more, more often than not. And so I basically wrote my side of it and kind of gave her placeholders for her side of it. And that whole thing where I'm sitting there, I mean, the M thing or whatever was there, but, you know, the me drunk and blah, 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 and the whole beginning, that's all written by me. And then, um, and then suddenly it cuts to voiceover, but there's a whole scene in there. When we were watching the dailies for that, the, D, the producer... Or the first AD came up to me and he's like, "That's fucking amazing." And this guy was not a nice guy. He was the all. He was a you know he was a French. Couldn't give two shits one way or the other about me or anything else. And um, this was not in the movie. What you're talking about was not well, in the movie or was. It is and it isn't. Okay. The images are there, but she's talking over them. Um, but it was just ba- it was just it was me going on. I mean, I'd have to read it, but you know, and I'm crying and blah, blah, blah. And it just felt like a genuine thing, but she was just like, you're just going for a fucking award. You're just trying to cry. You're just da, 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 da. And, and Julie was having a hard time. And, and also I directed the scene. I mean, you could say whatever you want, but I'm talking to the cameraman about, you know, uh, it was co-made, you know? I mean, there's several instances like that. What were you saying? So what'd you say? What was your ending? I want to know what you said. Like, what was really the gist of what you're saying? Um, oh, and do they work? Like, that's what I want to know. We like, did two endings. We did an ending where we're together and an ending where we... This is how little we, either of us knew. So we did an ending where we're having sex under the sheets. I don't think that's in there, right? No. Right. Um, and then an ending, I guess, how she ended it, you know. Um, we, done, we did the dancing thing much later. That was the last day of shooting. That was the last thing we ever shot. Anyway, what I'm just trying to remember what I wrote. I don't know. I honestly would have to look at it. Because yeah, I, I was just even confused at the end of it. I was like, do they stay together? I was like so sad and it was so heavy for me. And it's while I watched it mm. while I'm in the relationship I'm in. And I was just like, it's, you know, and it's. That what annoyed me about it is that she, to me, it was deeper than that. Or But maybe she was. Like, I felt like, 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 like she was, she, she was putting on this kind of like, like it felt very. Oh, I don't know. You know what? Honestly, I don't, I don't, I, I, to, to be frank, I don't remember it well enough to even tell you what I was critical about it, about, but, but. But if uh, they stay together or they break up in the ending that exists? 
you would know better than me because you saw it more recently. I, I know, thought, but it was I, so... I thought the last shot is us uh, dancing. Is that like a fl- uh, like a dream or something like that? I don't remember. I mean, uh, I thought I'd get it from you. I don't know. I. I, I because it was so uh, well. Subjective. Here's the answer: They made a fucking sequel without me. Which, by the way, oh, is that? <laughs> so I guess there's your answer. So that is the sequel. That's the sequel with Chris Rock. You want to hear this story? Yeah. Well, I find out about that, and I go. She made it. Okay. So 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 after she said to me, so after I I I I actually thought I had written like one of the best things I'd ever written, and I thought I'd given one of the best performances I ever. Going okay, granted, that's a little vain or whatever, but so what, man? We were good together, and she and she. She felt off that day. Like, she was a really excellent improviser, clearly, if you watch any of her work, which is clearly improvised. But she was off that day, and she wasn't – she was more, like, keeping an eye on me and, like, the camera and blah, blah, blah. And she was having and – I, and I kept trying to sort of engage her in the scene, and I think she probably felt in the end, I'm just going to go back to what my initial idea was or whatever. It got to you're ruining the ending of my movie because earlier that day we got into some other little fight and then she decided to say and and it put me in a really bad mood and I wasn't like speaking to her and then she decided to say you ruined the ending of my movie. That's like on a daily somewhere because we were already rolling and I got out of the car and I fucking walked you know to my trailer or or my trailer to the the trailer for everybody and um, and went home. I wrote her this. I, what's really annoying is I have every email since the beginning of email except this one account. And the one account is gone forever. And that's where all of these exchanges exist. And I actually wanted them when I was taking some legal recourse at some point. But they're all gone. But in, I write this really long email about how this is just completely unsustainable. And I said, and I don't want to write in credit on the film anyway. Now, what, oh. I've left, what I left out was before I came there... I was doing a movie called Deja Vu, which was this big sci-fi Tony Scott film, and and she was getting really nervous, and I understand that why. I mean, it was a tough situation to be in, that the film was going to go over, but it, it was going over, and it was paying me, and it was a big movie, and there was nothing I could do about it, and so they had to push back their thing, but I would later sort of find out that everyone thought I was like a dick when I got there, because in the beginning, it took like a long time for people to warm up to me and stuff like that. I mean, I hadn't even done anything yet. I hadn't even been there, but because, because the movie got pushed back and blah, 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 and locations are falling out. Meanwhile, I'm doing everything I can to make it easier on her, like signing shit away. So at one point, she doesn't want me to have my name on the title, uh, on the script. So it's not going to say written by Julie Delpy and Adam Goldberg because of some um, French guild thing where it's going to cost them more money. But so it's a handshake agreement. And my lawyer's like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, look, Julie got screwed, as she says. And she spent our entire relationship bemoaning this. And even after she got nominated for a fucking screenwriting award for the second before, movie um she would she would still complain about the fact that she never got writing credit she and ethan never got writing credit on before sunrise and so i was like here here no you know no matter how unpredictable julia she's not going to begrudge me a writing credit right and in her defense i told her i didn't want one and you know and then when i and, and i thought well you know what i'll do you know, I'll watch the movie, and when I watch the movie, I'll see, like, kind of what's left and if I really, you know, what's left of it and what's left of me in it, you know, in terms of my contributions and, and what I'm proud of or not. Now, Julie had everybody and their brother over to watch various iterations of the editing of the, of the cut because she was editing it in her garage in the back or her studio in the backyard. Uh, keep in mind, this is where I helped her take her two-hour and 79-minute improvised movie, Looking for Jimmy, when we first started dating, and I helped her cut out 20 minutes, and that's the film that exists to this day. Um, but for somehow, but somehow in this case, even after you know 
collaborating on the film together and clearly being an editorial, you know, force in, in other areas of her life, I was apparently ill-equipped to watch any cut of the film until it was uh, uh, locked and she was giving back the Abbott the next day. And that's when I was invited over to watch it. So I was already pissed off. Yeah. So I watch it in her bedroom, and I am, it's colored by all of this. Everyone I know in this, involved in this movie has, has seen this fucking you know, cut or various cuts. So I watch it, and I'm like, Julie, it's just like... So I gave her a list of notes, and she's like, I can't do most of this. I'm giving the avid back tomorrow. I go, well, at least in the ending, put some of the dialogue in our mouths and while you're voicing it over, just so it looks... Just so there's some something left, and it's not just like some weird visual montage. Um because it just looks like you didn't know what to do and you made a montage of us in a room and then you're just talking over it. I go, you, you, you can do that with Annie Hall because, the, because, because there have been a million scenes prior to But the last time we were in a room together in this movie... Uh, was like 15 or 20 minutes prior to this because they go off to their separate things and she's got that thing with the guy and whatever. Um, I'm, you know, holding the angel's hand and blah, blah, blah and walking down the street. I was like, you have to have them speak to each other for at least a second. Um, And uh, so I was just like, fuck it. I'm like, this thing is just sophomoric. And then, of course, it gets like purchased in three hours at Berlin. And I'm like, doh. And then it's like, then I'm reading like, you know, reviews of it in the New York Times. I'm like, I don't believe it. And then it makes like $20 million worldwide. And then, yeah, overall, it made pushing $20 million. And eventually I had to threaten a lawsuit uh, after years because I was, I got such crazy bumps. For, for box office bumps, you know, like every time I made a million dollars, I would make, you know, 50, uh, crazy, it's just crazy for an independent movie, make, you know, $50,000 or something, because they're like, it's never going to make more than, you know, they just gave me whatever we asked. But so I, to this day, I mowed more money, but I just took some sort of settlement. And part of that was based on the fact that they, the, the production company claimed poverty. Um, while they were in pre-production for two days in New York, they were claiming poverty. And we're like, really? You're poor, but you're, you're making another movie of hers. Um, I guess now we're going to have to, my French lawyer was going to have to ask for um, uh, box office uh, dividends from two days in New York if, that's, if they were really claiming poverty. And that's when they finally paid me something. Um, oh, my God. Well, I had been paid one chunk before, but paid me another chunk. Um, anyway, um, cut to... Jesus, three years ago, and she said she wanted to make another one. She did? Yeah, she actually called me about it, but then I haven't heard from her since. And I was like, okay, but if we do this, we really got to talk. Oh, my God. Wait, so I guess you're, you're, you, you guys did break up because of Chris Rock's involved in the second one. Right. Apparently, there's a puppet of me, and I'm still not entirely <laughs> sure if that's legal. Oh, my God. But it's just weird because it really was like our thing. I mean, it was hers, but it was, I mean... You know, never have I been involved in something that wasn't actually like, you know, my, but it was just like, you know, and you know, Julie came over one day to do the closing music song together. And I was, you know, so I came over and, you know, I, I had been writing songs and recording stuff and she was just sort of learning how to play guitar and stuff when I first, when we were dating. And now she had gone off and she had made a record and blah, blah, blah. The funny thing about that is, is that the picture, I only notice it when I come to Paris, right? This is fascinating. So I come to Paris and I'm in her room. So I'm after. So in real life, I'm seeing her, meeting her mom for the first time, like I never did. I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm in her apartment for the first time, which I never saw. Oh, wow. You know, because it's really her apartment. And I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, that's weird. You did a paint. You did a painting exhibition where you painted me. Like she would do paintings of me and stuff like that. But this was one that she had made after we split up. And then I, I'm like, oh, this is your record, which while I listened to d- at some demo of, I never actually, you know, and she wrote some song about me called Mr. Unhappy or whatever, which was just like, <sighs> that's, that's, wow, that's so metaphorical. Um, and, uh, 
and I look at the back of the CD, and it's a fucking photograph I took of our feet. Really? It's my, I took it. <laughs> and I'm like, I go, I think this whole thing is a way. I, I was like, I was like, I was in a room one day because they were shooting outside, and I was supposed to like lean out the window or something. I'm like looking around, and I'm like. I think this is all some really elaborate way of like regaining control over our relationship. Yeah. Now she would never even begin to admit something like that. But I mean, if you wanted to, you know, that nor would she. Brilliant. I would do that. Yeah. No, it, it, it was like, it really, like the pieces began to come together like some fucking weird murder mystery. I mean, there were just way too many images of me and like, you know, <laughs> and then, and then the funny part was, is that she had just started seeing the guy who's like, you know, the father of her child now, but she had seen this guy and that's what the text thing is based on. That actually wasn't based on our thing. We didn't have that. Well, we were wildly jealous, but we didn't have that specific incident happen, but that did happen with her boyfriend where she saw some text of his and blah, 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 blah. Or, sorry, he saw some text of hers, rather, um, where, where she was, you know, flirting with somebody. And, um, and on the second day of shooting or something like that, at the end of it, uh, you know, there's this walk and talk, the one that's on the poster, I, I don't know, it's like outside of the, her sister's show, and we're walking and talking or something, and I give her a kiss, and she goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm fucking giving you a kiss because we're supposed to be in a, in a relationship. And she's like, but he's going to get jealous. I'm like, well, first of all, you really work your relationship out. Second of all, then don't have him come to the set and stand there. I don't know what to do. Yeah. How am I supposed to act? <laughs> Not to mention that she yelled at me on the day that I got there on the first day. I literally wrapped the movie Deja Vu, that movie, right? I wrapped it Friday night at midnight. You ready for this? Yeah. Christina and I had just gotten back together. Our dog, uh, the sheriff upstairs, you know, the... Uh, uh, was had 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 gotten like uh, E. coli and was in the hospital, like hooked up to all this shit. So she was coming back from a trip. I was leaving, so she and I weren't even going to see each other. But I had been taking care of the dog at the hospital. Now she was going to go pick up the dog at the hospital and take it to her house and take care of him. So I literally wrapped this movie at midnight. Go, they shave my take, they trim my beard and cut my hair because I had Barry Gibb hair and deja vu. I go. I go to bed. I wake up. I go to the hospital on the way to the airport. I kiss the sheriff. Um, I'm off. Like ships, planes passing in the night. Christina comes, you know, picks up the sheriff, takes takes him home, and I go there. And I'm sh- and I arrive in Paris on Sunday, and I'm shooting on Monday morning. Yeah. And I'm and I'm and I'm told after a couple of takes when I'm improvising not to improvise. And I and I'm like, really? But you said that the movie was supposed to be. That's what we agreed upon. Yeah. She goes, no, my parents don't know how to improvise. And, I, and that's like a liar, dads. Like a huge improviser. Mom improvises. Everybody improvises. They're like, it's... And then and then um, her mom was having heart problems, which is actually really sad, and she had to leave in the middle of that first day. Um, that's the other thing. Her mom had had her heart attack during. Oh, I think that's what it was. She she implicitly blamed me because the movie was delayed for her mom's heart attack. That's what it was. Ay ay ay. How long were you guys together for? How long did you date for? You're uh, the longest year and a half of my life. A year and a half, and you were still with Christina while you're making this movie. And second. So phase. the second phase, I was making it while I was with her. Um, Yeah, and then Christina was thought that this was hilarious because she had, she always loved the Julie stories. She thought they were the funniest stories of all time. Same with Roxanne. You hear you, like you heard like yeah. everyone thinks that it's just they're 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 the funniest stories of all time, which is kind of, in a weird way like why we made the movie. It's like yeah, it was kind of funny, um, but um, you know 
which makes perfect sense because, you know, her and Chris Rock. Oh, wait a minute. Um, what? No, I'm saying like, like the reason that movie is funny is because we had a because two people like that shouldn't be in a relationship together. Yeah. But you, Chris Rock is anyway. I could tell you what my conversation was. Tell me. No, I'm that I can't tell you. Okay. With Chris um, Rock. Okay. I finally met Chris Rock. Who I hadn't met afterwards. It was just funny because of, you know we were like so so <laughs> anyway. But um, and we were like poof, 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 poof. no, we were super. Friendly. Were they dating? No, they were. She had done some movie of his, and no. Anyway, um, but oh god, what was I saying? Oh, she really liked the Julie stories. One night we finally went out to dinner, and I can't say what she said because it would actually reveal too much about Christina. But um, but Julie says something that was I made a generality. A generalization that was incredibly offensive and not politically correct, which is what she likes to do, and it it was deeply offensive to her because of issues, you know, because of her biography, you know, and it was just like, but it was just like, what, 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 you know, it was like, hey, what? I, she was like that. That's 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 usually she's like, hey, what I say, hey, forget about it. That's really who she is. <laughs> but like dressed up like some like sort of Parisian angel, you know? Yeah. Oh, wait, it's my pharmacy. Oh. Here, let's, oh no, that's okay. Keep it no. Here we go. Hello. Hey, Adam. It's Ryan from Eddie's Pharmacy. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? So good. So we got a prescription for your Axone. Okay. So for the brand, it requires a prior authorization. I know. I was afraid of this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then um, did you want it uh, generic or did you want the brand? Well, do they both require a pre-auth? Uh, the generic went through. Oh, no, then I'll just do the generic, right? I mean, it's the same thing. Generic? Yeah, right? Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then did the Metro Gel come in? The Metro Gel, yeah, but um, we need to order it because they sent us 60 grams instead of 45 grams. <sighs> this is so insane. It's been like two weeks with these guys. Um, yeah. Okay, well, whatever. I guess that's not as, as, as urgent. Um, I also need to get my Cymbalta refilled. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and so, yeah, maybe I'll come by tomorrow. Tomorrow? Okay. Okay. I'll order these for you. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Okay, You're bye. Welcome. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Do you have acne? I get cystic acne outbreaks that have been, like, much more under control the last few years. Actually, I think because of that shit. Axone well, is great. That's how I cleared up my skin. I used to have, like, yeah. cystic acne. I went really? on Accutane so twice. Oh, Axone. yeah, I, I was terrified of going on Accutane. I was yeah, this I did close it twice. to doing it at fucking 40 years old. Yeah, I did it, and then I used Axone afterwards, and I used Retin-A to, like, you know... For the, does that, yeah, a friend of mine swears by that. Retin A so. is great. Retin A micro because it like builds collagen right. and. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I'm getting. Lately, I've been going like, what is wrong with my? What's wrong with my eyes? Like, what? What is that? I should, maybe I should go to the eye doctor. Like, I should. Where? Go, uh, Let me see. No, no, it's all right. You look great. No, no, and I'm like, oh, I, I just I'm 48 years old, dude. Oh. It's like I mean, I you know, I say. So, um, oh my God, I had this. This thing where I was going to... You were just going to talk about Roxanne for 20 minutes. Now Say I've some nice things. You've outed everybody in the night. It's just turned into a, like this horrible, <laughs> low-rent, like, indie <laughs> version of Page Six. In fact... You know, this Nat- is my dream. This is what I always wanted it to be. The, you know, you know what Natasha called me at one point when she was just like, "You're with fucking Christina." She's like, "You're." She's like, "You're like the fucking like like you're like the slam dance Eddie Fisher." You know, um, it's true. <laughs> no, that's 
I'm just kidding. This is a that dream. That's like, the funniest thing she ever said. I don't think she said so many <gasps> but 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 she did say you're like the whatever, like the indie film Eddie Fisher person or whatever. Oh my god. Um, I saw the picture of the two of them recently, which is hilarious because they fucking hated each other. Oh really? Uh, well, Natasha hated that I was Christina, and Christina, like just you know, when Natasha was going through like really bad things, I was like kept feeling like like I should reach out, and I it just didn't. Now I think we're probably into an area I shouldn't. Hey, the shit yeah. is so long ago, though. It's I just know. Like, the only thing is, it's like they're still alive, you know. Wait, there was somebody who was dead. I was going to talk. Yeah, about. talk about them. Um, and what's really Stanley Linkletter? Stanley Linkletter. Linkletter. What do I say? Linkletter. Rick, Rick Linkletter. Do you talk to him anymore? If I'm going to get the inside um, scoop, we might as well just, you know. We, for years, we stayed in touch. And then, and then, um, and he was really super duper support. He's actually in Scotch and Milk briefly. But uh, last time we, we had an exchange was, I was just like, I emailed him after Boyhood. And I was just like, that was just unfucking believable Like, you've completely reshaped movie making. Um, and, uh, and then he invited me to the... It was weird, actually. He invited me to the cast and crew of that movie um, about the baseball kids. That it was like what she, the thing he called the spiritual sequel to Days and Confused. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a small. I mean, you know, I saw it. Yeah. Right? So why can't I remember? It's a, it's the name of a song. I'm just a fucking. Yeah, I know you're I'm talking about. I'm just like a an AARP spokesperson. No. Um, he invites you to that. And and so that was weird. That was weird because it was like, that was, a, I mean, I don't know how I'm supposed to be objective about watching that movie because what it was like was I remembered vividly the cast and crew screening for, for Days and Confused. So here I am sort of sitting among these young kids who were my age then Oof. watching themselves and there. It was just such a, it was such a bizarrely meta experience. And the truth of it is I had to get back home. I think, Bud had just been born or something, you know, it was just like, I just had to get home and I couldn't wait to see Rick and I felt really bad about it. And I just wrote him an email and I was like, I'm sorry, I can't go to the after or whatever or hang out, you know, and, but you know, it was, you know, amazing job, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so anyway, that's, that's it. It's yeah, totally fine. Um, just sort of emails here and there, but, um, but yeah, he was a huge, he had a huge, huge impact on my, well, yeah, a huge impact on my life. Um, and and what makes you make fun of Jared Leto all the time on Instagram? What's that? What makes you make fun of Jared Leto all the time? I don't blame you. I Do can't you think I'm making him. fun of him? Is that your interpretation of it? Aren't you? Well, I'm just I'm curious what it. What well, it, I don't think you're making fun of him. I think. Uh, well, I don't think you're not making fun. Of him. I think uh, he's just ridiculous. His Instagram is pretty he's, he's awesome. Ri- it. I don't follow it. Well, the Goldberg but, sisters, my you know music thing follows him that's the only person they follow so because because for a while they just followed zero which i always think is funny like i i i i one of my pet peeves are, are like big gigantic celebrities who don't follow anybody yeah like it really bums me out that albert brooks only follows his wife is this true yeah i mean it's it it, it bums me out so much that when i see him tweet it makes me mad um why does that bother me so much I don't know. I really have. I'm just such a, I'm just, you know, so I, can, um, I, I thought it was funny that the Goldberg sisters, who's like, which is the account of which is supposedly run by Celeste, you know, you, would you like to meet Celeste? Oh, who's Celeste? Yes. The alternate, the personality in, yeah, who's Celeste? I'm sorry, who's Celeste? I mean, where's Celeste? This is Celeste, Celeste is right here. 
Where are you, Alexi? Maybe that's the bigger question. Where are you? Oh, my God. Celeste, Celeste has been here the, the entire time. You've been out to lunch, sweetheart. Hey, all right. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Okay, sorry. Anyway, so she runs the account, and the fact that she only has like 700 followers but follows no one. Yeah. But then eventually she decided to follow, follow Jared Leto. So that's the entire feed when you check that account. And then before I knew it, you know, my head was on his neck, and, you know, I was coming out of his belly button, and, you know... Uh, half of half of it, it's it's like those you know like a Pegasus or something like that. You know, it's yeah. like his his. It'll be you know. Ha- sometimes I like to put hair my my chest hair on his chest. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any hair on his chest. Oh my god! Um, Is he on human growth hormone? I think I'm starving. I'm so hungry. Let's eat. Oh God! But wait. So we, did we say what we? I mean, we went on this tangential journey. Everything's good with you and. Leaving in five so I can grab a snack and get bud. I ordered us Thanksgiving. Aww. I guess we're getting Thanksgiving to go. That's great. I'm so stoked. Can I tell you what holiday I don't like? What? Thanksgiving. Yeah. Why does it matter? I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, first, uh, you know, people like family and shit. Yeah. But the other thing is, is that I get real, I don't like, I'm not the sort of person who can say, okay, next Thursday, I'm going to really enjoy a big heaping pile of turkey gravy, stuffing, and a bunch of other, you know, sort of uh, food items that really shouldn't be mixed if you have digestive issues. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I, 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 I can't tell you how many mornings when I used to go to this Thanksgiving at my, at, at, on my dad's side of the family. I used to do two. So we'd have one at the park, and then I'd go to my mom's, like, at her, you know, to her house or whatever. And I was just so stressed out because, because I knew, you know, that I had to eat, and I had to eat, like, turkey at noon and then turkey again. And I, would, I, was, I, 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 I kicked off invariably every Thanksgiving morning on the John um, with a nervous tummy and then had to go like keep a bunch of Thanksgiving and uh, anyway it's no difference. I mean, do we have to end the podcast there? Is this uh, where we're going to end the podcast? I told Bud last night uh, a, it's, look I don't know how this happened one thing led to another and before you know it I was telling him a bedtime story about his three preschool teachers having a terrible bout of diarrhea and um, he he loved it. Of course he did. And yeah. now I think there's no like going back. I yeah. don't know what to do. Because it used sequel. to be like a really sweet story about um, the Los Feliz squirrels, um, which about how there's this, these squirrels in the forest of Los Feliz and they form a baseball team and then they end up playing the Altadena squirrels and eventually they form a league and then they go to Dodger Stadium and they play the Dodgers and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and this is, it, it, it would go on and on. And there's another Halloween slash Christmas story that he really likes. And somehow now it's just literally his three teachers eat some bad leftovers from their lunch the day before, um, and they all have a, a paralyzing bout of diarrhea while the kids are left to their own devices. Sounds like a story my dad or my mom used to tell me when I was little. I used to like, oh, my mom used to tell me Cinderfella. <laughs> Cinderfella. And I was like, that's when I came to life. And I was like, you know, yeah. learning about yeah, yeah. gay Cinderfella. Cinderfella. Yeah, that's like, well, that just sounds like a porn. Yeah. I mean, is what that sounds like. This is a good time to end the podcast. Um, but I mean, in some, Roxanne and I have, a, I think, an equally <laughs> supportive. I think we have a, a mutually supportive and beneficial relationship. All right, all right, nailed it. <laughs> all right, see you. Uh, see you next week. Okay. Bye. Oh, right. Them.